A lot of my practice with sex magic is rooted in kink, even though every time I practice sex magic, I don't necessarily, you know, tie myself up. There is this kind of understanding that like, if I really want to surrender, then I know that I can use bondage. There's a lot of overlaps, but I mean, BDSM is so ritualistic to negotiate, to connect, to have the scene and then aftercare, that is literally a ritual. So there's this really beautiful kind of overlap between the two energies and my practice with witchcraft is really rooted in this idea of seeing the transgressive and the taboo as spiritual acts that can lead me to the divine. Hello and welcome back to Spank You Next, a fetish and BDSM podcast with your hosts Anna and Gregor. So yeah, this is episode three already and you know, usually in this podcast, we invite the experts, the BDSM and fetish experts from the BDSM training school by fetish.com here and they talk to us about their fields of expertise. We've got something a little bit different today. We're going to be talking to a real life witch based in LA. She's a columnist and author, Gabriella Hurstic. Yeah. She actually wrote several books on magic, on discovering yourself as a witch, but also about sex magic and BDSM and magic. Yeah, she just wrote a guide on a sacred S&M and she incorporates a lot of BDSM into her rituals and her spells and her practices. And we thought we absolutely have to talk to her about how witchcraft even relates to BDSM. And I didn't realize that sex magic is quite popular. Never heard of it. I mean, to be honest. I, I was so, so excited about this episode. I was destroyed when I didn't get my letter from Hogwarts. And, <laughs> and you know, ever since, ever since, I, I've been really, really interested in everything uh, mystical. witchcraft, mystical. Yeah. Same. And my friends will tell you, I, I'm so into stuff about witches. The Craft is my favorite film, as you'll hear. But I'm not such a believer. I'm a bit of a cynic, as you know, Gregor. Mm. So when it comes to spells and rituals and energies, I have to like stop the British in me just rolling my eyes, <laughs> even though I love the idea of it. But I think what Gabriella really talks about is this mindfulness, and that's so in our vocabulary exactly. now. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, she she will talk about um, how important it is to set your intentions, to know yourself, and also how to introduce magic in your everyday lives and sometimes this is just starting with the morning ritual oh the morning ritual which we really need i you rolled know. out better half nine today i've got to work at 10 okay it's I, not I, good i have to tell you something really since we recorded the interview i've been meditating every morning you're amazing i'm really now on a um what 60 day streak that's amazing. That's amazing. That's yeah. actually and really I, I good. Really, I really feel more more balanced. Not always. <laughs> no, I don't know if you seem balanced <laughs> all the time. <laughs> but sometimes, and I think that's a start. Anyway, yeah. we digress. We digress. So let's talk about sex magic. It's something all the kids are talking about, didn't realise, because when I did a Google search about it, uh, a lot of articles came up about yeah. how to perfect your yeah, sex magic us, ritual. Tell us the definition. There's a Wikipedia definition, but it's a bit boring. So I went on to Cosmopolitan magazine. Our source, our trusted source. Our trusted source. Cosmopolitan says sex magic, with a K, that's very important, is a term that describes any practice that uses sexual intercourse or orgasm to raise energy which is then directed towards a specific intention, purpose or cause. Yeah. I mean, if you don't get this just now, Gabriella will explain it with so much more detail later. But basically, it's, you know, just having a clear intention and then channeling your sexual energy towards that intention. And that could be anything. Yeah, that could be anything. So yeah. you could say, I really want that job. And she talks about more solo sex magic which and is through masturbation just, yeah, and then just fuck that job into being exactly but you can also do it with a partner and you raise that energy throughout the sexual experience whatever that may look like and then you think about that dream job or that car you've always wanted and it just comes your way and let yeah hopefully it just manifests itself we also have another big topic so it comes quite late in the podcast so for those of you really into BDSM Hold on until that. We talk about Gabriella being uh, a submissive and how she connects this with being a witch. Because Gabriella talks a lot about the divine goddess and strength through witchcraft. And I think something that people have asked her, including us, is how this idea of submission goes with the power of the goddess. Yeah. And I think she's really cool in that she says that 
her power is her own if she chooses to share that and surrender that's her choice she's not surrendering in work she's not surrendering in her life it's it's a shared experience between like her and her dom i really i really really like when we talked about this because i mean we don't only talk about the connection of being submissive and and the divine goddess but we also talk about it how how does it work with feminism a lot of times because there's so so many female submissives and sometimes for us it's a bit difficult to see okay where do we bridge that gap yeah because i know that dominatrices are seen as the people that have power over these men who submit to them but i think when you take away the professional context we see more male dom and female Mm. submissives and that is kind of a reflection of the wider world and how can you like challenge that idea and gabriella really talks about how being submissive does not mean you're a submissive person you are consenting to a dynamic and what you want it's a choice and you decide who do you give power to and she really agrees with me about the the bottom holds the power (laughs) (laughs) it's one of anna's favorite topics you will hear it kind of quite sometimes here in this podcast the topping from the bottom topping from the bottom so i've actually been following gabriella's work for a while because when i worked at a magazine i wanted to interview her about this turn towards the esoteric we're seeing a lot in culture right now she talks about how you know when there's political upheaval there's a decline in religion there's a lot more interest in witchcraft interest in tarot reading astrology and Mm. it totally makes sense i think at this moment in time before we jump right into the episode one last thing Anne and i we sound a bit echoey during the interview we recorded this before we had our soundproofed studio it's perfect on gabriella's side but you'll hear a little bit of playback on our side but i think it's fine we just wanted to make you aware i'm sure you'll still enjoy the episode so let's wait no more and bring gabriella in here Gabriella Hurstick, is that how you say it? Yes, ma'am. Well, welcome to the pod. We're super excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited too. You are a writer, of course. You write lots of books about witchcraft, but you're a self-identifying witch. Can you explain what being a witch means to you? Sure. So... The way I define witchcraft, which witchcraft is, you know, a very personal thing. It's going to be related to your environment and to your own background. But the way that I describe witchcraft is I say witchcraft is a way of living in tune with the cycles of the self, the cycles of the earth and the cycles of the cosmos and using energy to create change on the physical plane through magic. So a witch is somebody who owns their power, who lives consciously, and who uses all the tools at their disposal, both physically and energetically, to create a life that is supportive and magical and loving and conscious for the self and also the collective. Witchcraft is really rooted in the earth, and to be a witch means to not only to honor all the witches that have come before us, who have honestly, in a lot of ways, been vilified, been killed, been shunned, um, not had the safety to be out of the broom closet, but to also acknowledge the inherent connection that we all have and how that is related to nature. Do you think this is something that's missing in our modern world? This connection? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it's it's interesting because on one hand, we're so connected with the internet, right? Like we can have this conversation across the world. It's a form of magic in itself, right? That like we can press a button and conjure this kind of connection. But, you know, everything exists in duality. So on, on the one hand, we're very connected, but at the same time, we're losing our connection to our inner world and nature and to the way that we're all the same. So I definitely, you know, I definitely see that. But I also believe that the witch has always existed, even at times where it seems, you know, maybe it hasn't been as cool or maybe more counterculture, that's still been there. But I definitely do think, especially right now, when there's so many layers of honestly horrible things going on, that witchcraft is a way for us to to find meaning and to find power in ourselves. Yeah, you know, today at lunch, we talked about you and our upcoming Aww. interview. And then, of course, one of our colleagues, she said, how does that that work? You're interviewing a real witch, kind of. What, <laughs> what is amazed. a witch? She, she was so confused. So, kind of, how do you kind of connect, kind of, all the witches that have come before yourself, mm-hmm. and what has that to do with how witches are portrayed in pop culture? 
So the witch specifically, like the archetype of the crone or the old wise woman is like probably the most vilified form of the witch, you know, like the hag with the crooked nose and the boils, like, you know, the wicked witch of the West or in the more recently in the movie, the witch, like you see that kind of old crone hag archetype. I mean, that's also a reflection on like society's fear of aging just in general especially women aging but you know like losing your beauty it's like the worst thing that can happen and that is a whole other thing but I really do think it's um, a reflection of society's discomfort with women who are in their power like the witch you know it's either somebody who's using their sexuality in a way that's like provocative and evil or like an old woman who's like eating babies which Pam Grossman, who's a really awesome witch and author and a colleague and friend, has a really beautiful quote that I'm, I might butcher, but she said, show me your witches and I'll show you your feelings about women. Like the two are really related and really reflective of one another. So, I mean, you know, what's more threatening to the patriarchy than a sexually empowered woman who's in her power and who uses all the tools at her disposal? Like, so there's layers, but I do think that in the past, you know, six years since the witch has kind of come in vogue again, like there has been a huge reclamation of of that practice in a really powerful way and definitely a lot more empowered depictions of witches in pop culture, which I, I really am enjoying. What do you think the draw is of the witch right now? Because I think actually there has been a tide change on the yeah. depictions, especially women reclaiming the power of the witch narrative. And all this alternative healing as well that goes with it. Why do you think that's so popular? That's a good question. I think that whenever there's there's a couple, I have I feel like I have a couple different answers for that. Like on one hand, whenever there's something intense going on politically or like in the mainstream and the zeitgeist, you'll see a resurrection of any of some kind of spirituality with the witchcraft, with witchcraft specifically, you know, there was like the hippie witch of the 60s and 70s, late 60s, early 70s. There was, you know, the satanic witch of the 80s and 90s, the kind of Malgoth witch of the early 2000s. And then like in like the 50s and stuff, there was a survival of like goddess worship and witchcraft and Wicca. And, you know, like the past however many years, at least in the U.S., you know, seeing as Trump rose to power and all that bullshit happened, like, I feel like part of it is a reflection of the fact that people feel like their agency and their power are being taken away from them and that there's a need as we continue to get more and more connected through social media, through our computers, through technology, to return to the self in a way that's very grounded. And I think that witchcraft is a big way to do that because it really is a way of turning the gaze inward, of connecting with these ancient practices that people have been working with since the beginning of time. Because witchcraft really does stem from folk magic and every religion, every culture has its own form of folk magic or shamanism or like working with the earth, working with, you know, spirit whatever it is. So I, I definitely think that's part of it. But also like witchcraft and witches have always been there, even when they're not in the, you know, more um, mainstream culture, like the witch has always existed just as the feminine divine, the divine feminine, the goddess has always been worshipped in some shape or form. But I really do think as people start to realize how like disconnected they feel from themselves, that there's a, a massive turning inward to balance that out. Um, and I do especially think in the past, you know, five years, especially the past few years in the States, just in the world with the pandemic, that this need to find empowerment through the self has been driving people to acknowledge the different ways in which we can do that. And I do think alternative healing is a big part of that, you know, as big pharma continues to rise to power, as we continue to just be prescribed medicine or just experience mental illness, there comes a time when people are really looking for other answers. And that is one of the roles of the witch to help heal, to help facilitate that transformation from the inside out. Now, talking a bit about yourself, how do you include this in your day-to-day -day life? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I am a daily meditator. I have a daily ritual practice that I've done every single day. I just hit two and a half years the other day. I have a lot of different kind of practices that I include in my morning practice. So I do meditation, like a seated meditation. I pull tarot cards. I say affirmations. I, stay, I do gratitude. I pray to the goddesses that I, I worship and I'm devoted to. I also study ceremonial magic, which is not witchcraft, but is a form of occultism. So I do a 
banishing ritual that's in that kind of ceremonial practice and that's every single day this is something sorry, sorry to interrupt but i would really like to touch yes, on okay. this because just today we talked about the idea of having a morning ritual yeah. and, how yeah. hard, and how hard it is to stick to it so kind of could you give any tips yeah. of how you yeah. found yours or what yeah. works for you and how yes. people could actually manage to stick to it because we need yes. it we need it yeah <laughs> this is like one of my favorite things to talk about because i If you had told me a few years ago that I wouldn't be meditating every day, I would have laughed in your face. Like I'm an Aquarius. I'm very air sign. And what that means is that my mind is always going. I'm always thinking. I It's so always, hard. Yeah. It's so hard, right? I'm always planning. I'm always scheming. And, you know, it's like people are like, oh, I um, think too much to meditate or I my mind goes too much to meditate, which is like, mm. unfortunately, why you should meditate. That's what you said. That's what Anna says all the time. Yeah. But it's, I think what it's, it, like, I get it. It is really, it is scary to sit and be with yourself. So, like, first off, just being okay with that fear, being like, not getting angry at yourself for that kind of like resistance, but just accepting it is the first step. And then it's just doing it anyway and starting really, really small. You don't have to meditate for 10 minutes. You don't have to sit for 20 minutes. You can start with three minutes. You can start with five minutes. Like that's how I started. And there are so many different kinds of meditation, right? Meditation, mindfulness, being present in the moment. You don't have to just sit and close your eyes. You can repeat a mantra. You can, or an affirmation. You can practice breath work, which is like patterned breathing that has different qualities of, you know, energizing or calming or grounding. You can do the dishes and just be extremely present and see that as a meditation. You can walk. Finding and also guided meditation is a really good way to start because it gives you kind of something to like think about and follow instead of just being in silence. Mm -hmm. So when I started, I started with three minutes or five minutes of meditation. And I would do stuff like tarot and journaling because that's just something that like I enjoy doing. And I knew that having that alongside a seated meditation was going to be more powerful for me than just like spending 20 minutes in seated meditation. So I started with like three or five minutes committing to like a certain amount of time, I think is really helpful. So being like, I'm going to meditate every day for a week, or I'm going to meditate mm -hmm. every day for two weeks. Because then once you hit that goal, you're like, well, I've gone this far, I don't want to stop, right? And you, you keep going, at least that's kind of how my mind exactly. works. I'm Like, it's like this narrative of failure around sometimes when you don't meditate for one day, it's like, oh, I'm off the bandwagon now. I'm not going to do it at all. Yeah. It's it's good to reinforce yourself, but you can also say if you miss one day, you can go back okay. and try again. Exactly. And that's like, that's something that I know that like I struggle with. As somebody who's very fixed sign, I'm very good at like committing to stuff. I have to remind myself that like missing one day, like, It doesn't matter. The point is that you're showing up more than you're not showing up. And I think that when you do it in bite-sized pieces, like three minutes, and then, you know, you make that a habit. You do that every day for a week, and then you add two or three minutes to it. And you get used to that, and then you add to it. And then eventually, you know, you're meditating for 20 minutes, whatever. And it it's gradual. And that, I think, decreases the amount of anxiety and fear we have around having to do it right and also just releasing the idea that there's a right way to meditate that's a huge 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 mental block and like i'm the first to admit i feel like i still suck at meditation i still get distracted i still feel like i'm like not doing it right but the point isn't to do it right like that is such like a really like a very patriarchal mindset of if i do this i have to do it right it's not about that it's about showing up and being present But people that might feel a little alienated when you talk about witchcraft, to actually see that it's mindfulness practices and meditation yeah. incorporating all this is actually maybe a way of making it a little bit more accessible. Exactly. So for someone that's maybe interested in occult like practices can actually get into it by a simple meditation. I think that's I think that's really cool yeah. and really important. Okay, but here my here comes here comes my question. <laughs> yeah. So being mindful and having your morning ritual doesn't make you a witch does it so what where comes the point where you say i discovered for myself i'm a witch i think that's going to depend on each person's practice so for me my meditation practice is a part of my magical practice in any kind of esoteric discipline meditation and visualization are are the foundation because when you're casting a spell or when you're doing a ritual which are both integral parts of witchcraft in my opinion 
you have to focus and you have to be in tune with what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And even before you begin your ritual, you have to know how to find balance within yourself so you can make your ritual as powerful as possible. Even if the ritual is just sending out energy and lighting a candle, right? Like you have to be in that certain mindset. So I can't tell you the moment that you decide you're a witch. That is something that you'll know. And that is a, a feeling of, you'll know it when you feel it. But I do think that meditation it can be magical, it can be an act of transformation, you know, like meditating with a deity that you're worshiping or meditating on as an alchemical act of transforming, you know, maybe feelings of discomfort to feelings of love and joy. Like those are acts of magic. You don't need tools to work to, to be a witch. You don't. If you rely on, like, it's great to have them. They help, you know, channel your energy in a, a direct way. But like, you don't need them. You don't, you shouldn't need anything to cast a spell or do a ritual except your mind. And I think that's why meditation is so important because it gives people, it trains your brain to be able to do that because you do need to be able to visualize and concentrate. And especially with, you know, Twitter and Instagram, like our minds oh, are not yes. that anymore. Yeah. We have like a six second attention span or something. I know. Yeah, it's it's really horrible. Yeah, I'm super intrigued about spells because one of my favorite mm. films in the world is The Craft. You may have yeah. seen it. I love it. So I always think that that's a really nice way to approach a spell. You know, you go out to the nature and mm -hmm. to connect with energies and all that. But like, I am a little bit of a cynic that I, I kind of, I like to believe it, but I'm not sure like I'm there. So when you say you practice spells, rituals, what can that actually look like? Yeah. So it can be anything from doing a ritual where you work with the elements so you will create a sacred space which is like one of the first things that you'll do and you can do that by casting a circle which you can either walk you can mark with something like salt or rose petals you can visualize there's always more than one way to do something so it's going to depend on your tradition and you know your interests your background how you're learned or trained but you know a ritual might be something or a spell might be something like calling in the elements in the four directions and then raising energy through chanting or dancing or sex magic, which is using sexual energy masturbation to raise energy. A, a ritual doesn't have to be a spell. You can do a ritual or, you know, a ritual being something that you come back to, to create a magical environment that is separate from the mundane. A ritual could be taking a bath with salts, with herbs that correspond to your intention. So if I wanted to connect with Venus, I would use, you know, rose petals and salt. I might have some apple slices in there. I might have either green or red or pink candles burning. And I might pray to her or call upon her before I step into the tub and, you know, visualize myself submerging into the, into her waters that she was born from. So that's a ritual, but you're not raising energy for a desired intention. So it's not necessarily a spell. The example that I always use for a spell is singing happy birthday to somebody. You're singing happy birthday. So you're, you know, there's this, this action of raising energy. You're holding this intention of wishing them a happy birthday. And then they're taking mm. the action of receiving that and blowing out the birthday candles, right? Like that is a magical act. That's a spell. This so, is such a good explanation. <laughs> really, I really, no, yeah. like, just lift it right like. So yeah, this is such a down-to-earth <laughs> example. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so a, a spell could be, you know, like if we were going to work with Venus, for example, you might take a green or red or pink candle, green being her classical color on the tree of life. You can make a whole ritual out of it. You can call in the elements, call in Venus, and then you'll light the candle and pray to her and raise the energy and ask her to bless you with with love and that would be the spell like that's a you know a simple spell a spell could also just be you know masturbating with an intention in mind very very simple form of sex yeah, that's magic. that's something you just said yeah sex magic let's talk yes. a bit about that yeah. kind of what is it and how does it work and why is it with a k yeah yes. exactly okay. because it's it's written with a k yeah. yes Perfect. so magic is written with a k that was start or magic written with a k was popularized slash started by the infamous occultist Aleister Crowley because he wanted to distinguish the sleight of hand magic that stage magicians use from the magic that occultists practice. So that's why we use a K. I also really just like how it looks. I think it looks really pretty. So not, not everybody, especially like in modern day, like unless you're like 
from LA and go to the magic castle, like you're probably not going to be talking about stage magicians when you talk about magic. So not everybody uses the K it's really at this point, just mm -hmm. like a personal preference and sex magic is working with sexual energy as a way to manifest a desired intention or as a way to create transformation. So you can work with sex magic and use sexual energy to manifest anything from money to a lover to creativity. But you can also use that energy as a tool of devotion, as a tool of power to like clear out your energetic field, to clear out blockages. Mm -hmm. You can use it as a way to connect and foster your own sexual energy. It is really just using sexual energy as a tool for transformation, whether that is to call in or to, you know, connect or to banish. I know there's intention, but is it specific? Do you get down to the real specifics? You can. So you can be as specific as I want like a book deal or I want this car. I want to manifest this apartment or I want a lover who's blah, blah, blah this way. But like, you know, magic is an intelligent force and it has a sense of like the universe has a sense of humor. Like I have found in my own practice, it is such a balance of being specific and also leaving room for the universe to do what it knows is best. Because mm. in our human minds, we might want a specific thing, but it's really not what we need and it's not what's going to serve us best in the moment. So like there's a level of being specific and then also being like, I always use the caveat of this or something better for the highest good of all involved in my spells. Because that way, if it's not meant for me, then it's not going to happen. But what is meant for me is going to happen. So you can be very specific with sex magic. And you can also work with sexual energy that doesn't have to manifest, right? Like I've worked with sex magic as a way to honor and connect with my own erotic essence, as a way to show devotion to the goddesses I'm devoted to, as a way to honor the divine masculine within me or to burn away old patterns myself that I don't need. Mm. Sexuality is really connected with witchcraft because sexual energy is how things are created. All of us have that potential regardless of our gender, regardless of our genitals. Sexual energy is creative energy. So in some ways it's easier to like manifest than it is to transform things with sex magic. But I definitely think that because it's such a powerful energy, we, it definitely has the, the ability to do both. So is it something you do alone or with somebody else? You can do either or. So like for me, most like 99% of my practice with sex magic has been alone because you don't want to do that with somebody unless you like trust them, unless they really appreciate you, right? It's like, you know, sex is, is a thing. And like definitely like, I mean, listen, I'm all about casual sex. Like that's totally fine. Do your thing. Like for me, like because it is such a vulnerable experience, I don't want to do it unless I've like vetted the person and know the person. And there just haven't been a lot of people that pass that for me. And I, I am in the camp of, I think that your sexual energy, your relationship with sacred sex or the divine erotic, whatever you want to call it, starts with yourself. I think that to be the most powerful sex witch, sex magician, you need to have that relationship with your own sexuality. And once you know that and you understand your desires and you understand how sexual energy moves through you and what it feels like in your body, then when you go with a partner, regardless if you're practicing sex magic, you're going to be in a much better spot. And I think that like having that kind of relationship with your own sexuality is really like, that's something that's really important to me. And that's kind of like the basis of the work that I share around sex magic, but you can definitely practice sex magic. Like if you're in a partnership, if you are like seeing somebody who trusts and appreciates you, like, even if they're not necessarily like also practicing, like I definitely believe you have to tell them that you should tell a person just because you're using their energy. It just kind of feels like a consent thing. But that's, again, everybody's going to have their own opinions about what feels right and what doesn't. But you can do sex magic with as many people as you want or as few people as nice. you want. So can a negative sexual experience have bad energy that you think will channel in a negative way out in the world? I think it's like anything. I think that if that ha if you have that kind of experience and you let it get channeled into other things, then it will. You know, it's like it's like when you are upset about something and then you just have a bad attitude with everybody else. It's kind of that same thing. Like I I think that you know if you do practice sex magic and you do have a bad experience, if you're stepping into that as responsibly and conscious of your own power, then it's also your responsibility to like 
take care of yourself afterward, right? Like it's like aftercare, like that you still have to turn that kind of attention to yourself. So Sophie St. Thomas is a fellow sex witch um, who wrote the book Sex Witch and she termed the coin um, risk aware witchcraft, which I really love. So it's kind of the same thing. Like, you know, if you're going into something and you have a negative experience then it's your responsibility to do what you can to transmute that, even if that means asking for help because you can't do it alone. Also, another question. Do you have to orgasm to release this energy? Yeah, release the energy. Like, what if you are someone that finds it very difficult to orgasm in penetrative sex or in any process? I'm really glad you asked this question because that's something I always mention in in my writings about this. You do not have to orgasm. Like, if you have anorgasmia or if you can't orgasm, you can still be a sex witch. It's more about raising the energy as much as you can and connecting to that. You know, orgasm is great and it is a very, very powerful energy. And if you can get there, that's awesome. But like, who has not been at the place where they're like, I need to have an orgasm and then that is stopping you from orgasming, right? It's great. You want to get there, but it's more about raising the energy than it is about focusing on this one thing. Because as soon as you focus on that one thing, then you're also missing the whole point of sex magic. Because while you're doing this, you're focusing on your intention, you're embodying your intention, you're feeling your desire coursing through you. So no, you don't have to orgasm. It's great if you do, but like you can be a sex switch no matter your ability to be orgasmic or not. Yeah, for for somebody who would like to try this out. So it will basically be kind of also creating something like a ritual and then just kind of, yeah, masturbating or kind of being involved with a partner and then kind of trying to direct that energy towards an uh, intention. So yes, that's basically so, the, the basic concept. Yes. yes. So you'll I always suggest that people create an environment that makes them feel sexy, right? Like take a shower or a bath, mm. cleanse yourself, put on perfume, wear something that makes you feel hot, whether it's leather or lingerie or denim, doesn't matter, right? Like everybody's gonna have their preference. But taking that time to like set up your space in a way that really feels seductive and inviting, like you want to do everything you can to get your senses into the right headspace and figuring out your intention too, right? Like holding that space for that. And you can either focus on your intention the whole time you're having sex, or you can just have your intention, explore, you know, the sexual energy. And then as you feel yourself kind of building and building that energy, you'll turn your gaze back onto your intention and at the height of your energy raising, whether that's orgasm or not, you focus on your intention, you feel it shooting out of your body, out of the crown of your head, wherever it is, into the universe. And I always suggest that like in the afterglow, you kind of stay in that energy, visualizing and feeling what it would be like for your desire to manifest. And you can do that with a partner, right? You can snuggle and talk about it or just rest in it. But yeah, it really is just channeling that sexual energy for your desire, which there's a lot of different ways to do that, but that's like the, the basic, basic formula. Mm-hmm. I hate to be like a broken record about negativity, but can you have like bad intentions around vengeance or revenge? Is, is that is that advised against or is that something um, you can't do? Not, that, you know, there's no like do's and, I mean, witchcraft isn't dogmatic. There's not a one set of rules that every witch will follow. So that has to depend on your own personal code of ethics, your own morals and your own belief system, which I think is really important to have, especially before you start practicing sex magic. Because like I mentioned, while I might think it's important to tell my partners um, that I'm practicing sex magic, somebody else might not. And they think it's fine to just, you know, have sex and do their thing without informing their partners because they don't think it's important. So that is really going to depend on your own values and your own beliefs. I, you know, like, listen, if you're trying to fucking hex a rapist or somebody like that, then I say fucking go for it. But, (laughs) you know, like people, there's some people that are fucking horrible that deserve to have justice come to them. But I personally rather just stay in like the energy of like divine chaos and love than like do things like that for negative reasons but that's just me so that's going to be something that you have to figure out for yourself but you could there's nothing stopping you except yourself mm-hmm. or whatever just belief do you have. just do it yeah, <laughs> just do it yeah just do it yeah exactly
And we saw on your website, you you have the kind of, it's kind of a course to sacred S&M. Yes. What does that involve and yeah. how, what is it? <laughs> Explain yes. away. So it's a, that's a ritual guide that I wrote. Um, and it's called Sacred SM, How to Incorporate BDSM into Your Sex Magic Practice. So I go through a bunch of different modalities of kink, you know, different forms of impact play and sensory deprivation, bondage, different kind of taboo breaking things. And I explain how you can incorporate that into your, into your sex magic practice, right? Because, you know, if we're kinky and we are practicing sex magic anyway, it kind of seems like a perfect fit. So a lot of my practice with sex magic is is rooted in kink, even though every time I practice sex magic, I don't necessarily, you know, tie myself up. Mm -hmm. But there is this kind of understanding that like, okay, well, if I really want to focus on my inner self, then I know that I can use sensory deprivation. Or if I really want to surrender, then I know that I can use bondage. There's a lot of overlaps. But I mean, BDSM is so ritualistic, right? Like even it is you know like it is a ritual to to negotiate to connect to have the scene and then aftercare that is literally a ritual so there's this really beautiful kind of overlap between the two energies and my practice with witchcraft is really rooted in this idea of seeing the transgressive and that taboo as spiritual acts that can lead me to the divine so part of my work with that is through kink is through submission and both how i relate to the goddesses i worship how i relate to my own dom and how i relate to myself is this kind of exploration of using you know different modalities to dive deeper into my into my sex magic practice so in that guide, I share some resources, just some like basic sex magic stuff, as well as like different books that kind of explore conscious kink more deeply. And then I just, I go through a, a long, long list of different kind of kinks and fetishes and mm. explain how you can use them from, you know, working with menstrual blood and writing, um, using charging um, body safe wax candles, and then using that and you know, working with impact play as a form of raising energy, because a lot of the activities that we do in kink shift our energy, right? Like anybody who's been in any kind of sensory deprivation or who's been spanked for long enough knows the ways in which that shifts, you know, your mental state. I mean, you're entering into an altered state of consciousness, whether you're a top or a bottom. The idea of the sub drop is like this idea exactly. that your energy suddenly totally drops and you're in a completely yeah. different space and it can last for like a week maybe even longer so actually it shows energy is the most important thing in the end yeah exactly and like subspace you know like my experiences with being in subspace and my experiences post like intense magical ritual are the same it is the same feeling of being in that kind of altered state I mean I'm not a dom not a top so like I don't know what top space is from that but I definitely have been in that flow state where I feel like you know, I'm writing and it's just coming out and like the time passes by quickly. It's the same. It's the same thing. I, I wrote an article for Mel Magazine, RIP, about the altered state of consciousness. And it's yeah, like a dom and a pro athlete. They go into the same state when they're, you know, doing their thing. So that ritual guide also includes journal questions and affirmations and like lots of ideas for incorporating different kinds of kinks into your sex magic practice and kink is like a big part of my practice with sex and with my interests so it felt like just like a natural kind of extension of of that and it's like a space that I'm really interested in continuing to explore yeah for everybody listening kind of um we're talking via kind of um via zoom basically and behind Gabriella she has loads of beautiful BDSM gear so how did you get into BDSM and how did you kind of start your experience with BDSM I I feel so I'm, I'm still pretty new to the scene I mean I've only been exploring for like three and a half or four years and I I was like always very drawn to the aesthetic of it like I always really like loved it but didn't really know kind of anything about it where to start like I feel like a lot of us right it feels like a scary wide world that you're like oh, I don't know but I really marked the beginning of my journey with kink I was writing a piece for nylon magazine one of my friends and teachers and colleagues Alexandra Roxo co-led a retreat with Victoria Blue of Vox Body in San Francisco, who is, she's um, a Shibari instructor and she does suspensions and she's really awesome. 
And they co-led a, a retreat on sexual healing that worked both with like meditation and ritual, as well as rope suspension and rope bondage. So I went on this retreat and I wrote about it for Nylon and I like learned a single column tie and I was suspended for the first time and learned about kink and really like what that world was. I didn't really have any idea of how vast it was or, if, you know, like I didn't know about consent or negotiation or aftercare of any of that. I mean, I grew up in the deep South in Georgia and I went to college in South Carolina and like we had sex education, but it was minimal and it was really like you should just like not have everybody. Sex. Yeah, right? that's the like, sex education we all got. I think actually everyone gets it from porn. Yeah, I didn't you know, I didn't really have any idea. But when I went on this retreat, it was like I tasted the Gatorade. I was like, OK, this is something. And I started, you know, I bought some rope and I think I bought some a paddle or um, a crap and I started working with it with my sex with sex magic and at that point I'd already been practicing sex magic I'd already begun to cultivate a more sacred relationship with my own sexuality partly as devotion to the goddess that I'm pledged to Venus and when I went on that retreat it was just like something clicked and I started reading books and I started going to classes at um, the pleasure chest here in LA and like started meeting people and you know, it's like, I don't think people realize how huge and deep the kink world is until like you kind of peek under the it's cover vast. or open the door. Yeah, it's, it's a vast, whole universe. It, it, yeah. it is, exactly. So it was like really overwhelming and scary. And like at that time, I was kind of started seeing somebody who had a dom and like I learned some from him. But then when that ended, I felt this immense fear. I was like, how am I going to explore this? Because this person that felt like this lifeline for me wasn't there. But it was actually really powerful. It really helped me kind of find different ways of incorporating kink into my own sex life. And, you know, from there, I started exploring rope bondage more. And I started going to dungeons and sex parties and play parties. And like, as we all do, you know, I just dived even deeper and really took the time to educate myself. And I'm still doing that and reading. And I feel really, really thankful to have found such a beautiful kinky community in L.A., even though I haven't seen or gone anywhere in like over a year it's still here there's a lot of fun dungeons and last april or may i like started um exploring a dynamic with a friend who's a pro dom who became my dom and she's also a sex witch and a devotee of the dark goddess so like our dynamic is really rooted in energy work and goddess devotion and obviously submission and dominance and power exchange but that was really powerful and has been a really transformative experience and i'm super interested to know that you you identify as a submissive right yes how those divine feminine power goes with submission yeah that's such a good question i feel like a lot of people are like oh you can't be submissive and be a feminist i'm like it is a very different feeling to be to know my power fully, to stand in it and to surrender it to somebody that I trust and that I know can handle it than it is to have my power taken away and to feel like I need to give it to somebody because like that's an expectation. I'm not over here like submitting to my boss or submitting to like somebody I'm like you know don't like. I'm here claiming my fullest expression and powerfully deciding to share that with somebody I mean anybody who practices kink like not that the dom or the the top doesn't have power that's not true but it's the submissive who calls the shots because you're the one that's in surrender and I feel like a huge part of spiritual practice is the act of surrender surrender to the divine surrender to the self surrender to the universe it's fucking hard and for me like I run my own business. I am my own boss. I don't fucking answer to anybody except my editors. And even that it's, you know, like I write other things that I don't have to go through my book editors to, to write. I am the one who's in charge of my life. I'm the one that who's creating my life. Like I have my shit together and submission is a way for me to, to just not be in that mode and to also to tell whether it's, you know, goddess or my dom that like, I trust them and that, I'm, I'm giving them this gift of power. So for me, it really is a way of reclamation of my sexuality because I'm the one who's choosing to submit, right? I'm not trying to submit to my husband who works a nine to five, who I have to just like clean up his home. And I'm not 
indebted to anybody and submitting because of that I'm submitting from a place of knowing myself and my relationship my like religious beliefs my beliefs with divine feminine I'm in service to the goddess like that is why I'm here I'm in service to the goddess of love and lust and the erotic and part of my relationship with that religious part of myself with my beliefs is submission is surrender and is being in service to them which is also reflected in with my dom mm-hmm. who is I call goddess daddy so I really do think it's a, <laughs> love that thank you I really do think it's a way of of choosing of choosing myself and of choosing how I want to explore and I'm just like a bottom like I I'm a masochist like I want to experience intensity and not being in control is a lot harder for me than being in control so well, yeah. I think that's what people get wrong a lot about submission. Absolutely. That actually, the I talk about this a lot. Greg was going to laugh because I say this all the time. <laughs> but, but it's actually being not even like, like control is coming from the bottom, but that there's so much more at stake for a dom because the sub is the one that's wanting the the submission mm-hmm. and the humiliation, mm-hmm. and actually the control can often be more with the bottom. Absolutely. Nobody's going to know my limits better than me, right? I mean, even with, you know, consensual non-consent, like the word consensual is in front of the word non-consent. I'm the one, you know, you're still the one who's deciding your limits. And I think that's a big part of magic too. It's that like, nobody knows you better than you know you and cultivating that, that wisdom around yourself is really important. And I think at least for me, one way of doing that is through submission. Wow. I really liked that. That was really powerful. In the beginning, just before we started recording, you mentioned a new book you're working on. Yes, yes, yes. I am currently writing a book called Sacred Sex, The Magic and Path of the Divine Erotic, which is all about cultivating an intentional and sacred relationship with your erotic essence. I talk about everything from sex magic and, you know, basic sex ed to how to create a path of sacred sexuality that's right for you. So one of the paths is the what I call the path of the dark god this, god G-O-D slash D-E-S-S, which works with kink and you know transgressive sexuality is a path of gnosis and connection to divine. There's also paths like that of the embodied divine masculine, of sacred partnership you know there's a path of embodiment which is more through like glamour and adornment and movement a path of the mystic where sexuality is a kind of like I was mentioning before in my own relationship more of like an act of devotion and service to the divine or the beloved and then I you know throughout the whole book there's rituals and sex magic practices and journal questions and one of the frameworks that I use really throughout the book is the tarot the tarot is a deck of 78 cards. We're not quite sure when it was invented, probably the 14 or 1500s in Italy as a card game. And it really tells the story of humanity's evolution, of the, the going from the self to the collective. And it does so through archetypal and symbolic images. So it's a really powerful way for us to bypass the conscious mind and get more into the subconscious. And because our, our brain is our hugest sex organ, right? Like it, it is a powerful, powerful part of our sexuality. But like to really get into that kind of magical sacred state, we really need to bypass our conscious thinking mind that's worried about orgasming or looking sexy or like Mm. if we're doing it right. And one of the ways that we can do that is through embodying different archetypal energies. And I use the tarot as a way of guiding that kind of sacred erotic exploration. So there's plenty of sex magic, plenty of rituals, plenty of opportunities to begin cultivating a relationship with that part of yourself and I'm writing it so it's you know open for anybody of any kind of gender Mm. and writing it so people of all relationship formats can can work with it whether you're single or you're in partnership or partnerships but it really is like that you started working on it already and when will it come out more or less Um, so it's going to be coming out next summer so summer of 2022 Oh, nice. Oh, nice. So I think all there is to do is tell people where they can find you other than buying your book, obviously. Yeah. Your Instagram, your websites. 
Sure. So my Instagram and Twitter are both Gabby Herstick, which is G-A-B-Y-H-E-R-S-T-I-K. And I also have a website, which is Gabriella Herstick, Gabriella with one L, and then Herstick spelled the same way. And you can find all my links there, my other books, Inner Witch, Bewitching Elements, Embody Your Magic. Um, I'm also working on I was writing a book on goddesses first and then the sacred sex book came up. So I'm, and I'm almost done with the goddess book anyway, but my goddess book will be out in fall of 2022. So that'll also be published then. And wow, so um, next year will be a big year. Yes, for you. yes, I'm ready. I'm like so ready to have book parties again. I had two books come out during quarantine. Yes. So I'm like, ready. I mean, to- this is also something after all of this time when we just sat at home, we kind of need some action. Yeah. yeah if you guys find yourselves in la next summer next fall you're more than invited and yeah i'll keep updating on my website and i post a lot on instagram and twitter so you can always find me there wow amazing gabriella it was so nice talking to you no you asked, you asked such fabulous and like insightful and thoughtful questions and i really enjoyed our conversation so thank you for having me okay so that was the amazing gabriella herstick What a fountain of witchy knowledge. Yeah. So Anna, I have to ask you after, because I know you're more cynical when it comes to magic and witchcraft. Me? (laughs) No. After listening to Gabriella, what do you think? Okay, so I'm so on board with magic as meditation, mindfulness, intention, setting goals, having nice rituals. And I, I so see the parallel and with BDSM as well, but I'm I'm still unsure on, on the magic element, but I think it's each their own, as she said, and everyone's practice is different. And everyone, every single person that's a witch has a different way of expressing their witchcraft. So yeah, totally. I mean, your king might not be my king, but it's okay. So exactly that. And I, I really think the intention is the magic. I like the way she talked about the figure of the witch throughout the ages and how it symbolizes sort of culture's take on femininity and the female, yeah. often in negativity and the ugliness of women and the grotesqueness in other times. And we're still seeing that today, but I really do think there are more positive sort of narratives around witchcraft now. I think people think it's fucking cool. It's fucking cool because in the end it's all about personal empowerment. That's it. And you know, I was also thinking because, um, yeah, I think there's a real parallel between witchcraft and BDSM because with both, both practices, you really have to be clear about what you want, about your intentions and about communicating it. And I think that's where they really go hand in hand. Yeah, and this, because we were a little unsure about how sacred S&M even works we don't we didn't really get the link so clearly before we spoke to gabriella but i think it actually does make total sense and it's a lot about communication it's a lot about energies sensing people's feeling in a certain situation which can be more than just using a safe word it can be actually picking up on how they're feeling through energy yeah and i mean that's when you found real connection now when you really feel uh somebody else's energy and can can work with that Totally. So let's talk about next episode. Oh, next episode is with Dr. Selena Chris. Dr. Selena Chris is a sexologist. She also has a course in bratting on the BDSM training school right now. Also she some... herself is, is a real brat. She is a brat herself. But we also talk about another cool, meaty topic sex positive parenting. Yeah, who would have thought? Because I definitely didn't experience this growing up. No, no, no. Also not on my side. And I think it's definitely something we need to speak about more. As a Catholic, I don't even know what that concept is. A Catholic. (laughs) So yeah, until then, follow us on Instagram, sign up on fetish.com, or maybe book a course on the BDSM training school. And until next time, keep it kinky. Keep it kinky. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to Spanky Next on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at Spanky Next Podcast. If you're looking to connect with people who share your kinks, sign up to fetish.com for free or download the Fet app from Google Play and the App Store. And for anyone looking to deepen their knowledge of kink, head to the BDSM training school on fetish.com and enroll in a course now. And last but not least, shout out to our producer Tim Smith.